I can't get enough. Got a space in my tackle box, just got to fill it up. More love, I can't ever stop. Don't got a basement, got an underground tackle shop. And here are the hosts of the Lore Love Podcast. John, Crappy Hippie King, and Tim, Tackle Box Beat. Lucy, be quieter. I don't want the crappy hippie to hear us talking. I really need to test this device. I found it at the bottom of a huge vintage tackle box I bought at a garage sale. Tim, this seems very dangerous. Is it really a thought wave scanner? I don't like the looks of it. Relax, Lucy. It's not a thought wave scanner. It's a hemispheric brain wave condenser helmet. It just happens to scan thought waves and tap into your memories. It just looks like a metal colander with a few wires coming out of the top. Crappy hippie will be fine. Why do you want to test it on the crappy hippie? This episode is about the best fishing lures for kids, and I want to tap into the crappy hippie's memories from when he was 10 years old. Shh, here he comes. Hey, what's going on? (laughs) What the heck is that thing? Is that a leftover costume part from Halloween or something? Uh, Yeah, that's what it is. It's a costume hat. Wow, God looks kind of scary. The rest of that costume must have been really crazy, man. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Hey, anyway, I dropped by. You don't have to have any more of those Z-Man trick shots in uh, Meat Dog, do you? I might. Look at that old pal tackle box in the corner. Lucy, how can we get him to put on the hemispheric brainwave condenser helmet? I have formulated a suitable plan. Hey, crappy hippie. You want to try on this cool helmet? Huh? Well, sure. Well, that was easy. One must simply match inducement to the relative intelligence of the quarry. Okay, crappy hippie. Sit right here next to Lucy so we can plug you in. I mean, put this cool hat on your head. Wait, wait, wait. Plug me in? You're, you're going to plug me into Lucy? Yeah, but just so she can light up the helmet and play some classic hits from the 60s for you. Right, Lucy? Affirmative, Tim. Oh, groovy, man. Cool, cool. Go for it. I've tapped into his brain. If you thought the helmet looked scary, you should be in here. It's like a cross between the Woodstock Music Festival, a Bass Pro Shop, and the belly of a monster fish. Can you tap into the crappy hippie's memories from when he was 10 years old? Sure thing, Tim. I'm going in, connecting the memories to the speaker system. Wow! I'm, I'm 10 years old again! I can remember stuff from when I was 59! This is crazy! What am I, what am I doing here? You are here, my young human friend, to share your top 11 fishing lures with us. Oh, that's right. That's right. The top 11. The top 11 lures when I was a kid. Okay, now, now, okay, number 11. Number 11, one of the best lures you can make are creepy crawler lures. You get the creepy crawler set, and you get a bunch of different molds, and you get the little plastic squeeze bottles, and you got the little uh, oven there, little furnace you can burn your hand on, and it's awesome. And and you just take a crappie hook and you stick it through it, and it makes a good lure, especially for bluegill in a pond where they're starving. Uh, very, very good. But you know, you can make them out of tinker toys. You can make lures out of all kinds of stuff. One time, I made a lure out of a Lincoln log. I got my mom to get me some little eyelets, and uh, when they finally came, and she was able to get them for me because we lived way out in the country and we couldn't just jump up and run to the store. And I finally got it. And it made a good. It made like a you can make little poppers out of the little ones and you can make kind of a walk bait out of the big ones and you get a fun painting them and doing all kinds of stuff with them so number 11 homemade lures it's best just do your best this is working much better than i expected 
Okay, number 10, number 10, everybody needs a spoon. Everybody needs a spoon. I don't care if it's a daredevil. I don't care if it's a uh, little Cleo. I don't care. These are all good spoons. You know what my favorite spoon is? My favorite spoon is a Dixie Jet. It's a Dixie Jet because it has a picture of a fish on it. And it works real good for white bass and stuff like that. And you can drop it down low and sometimes the catfish will pick it up. So everybody get get a spoon. Get a spoon. In fact, number nine, if you're going to get a spoon, get a Johnson Silver Minnow spoon. Because Johnson Silver Minnow, then you can take a piece of pork rind or a piece of cloth or something. And you can just hang it on the back, right? My friend Russell, he got one from his grandpa, right? And it turns black. It turns black because it has real silver on it. It has real silver on the outside, so it'll tarnish. And his grandpa said that sometimes you want to just go ahead and let it turn black, and then you can fish it right at sunset or at night, and it works even better than the silver one. So you can either polish it real bright and silver, and silver goes off a white reflection, whereas chrome, it's way more yellowish. So if you can find the old kind of silver minnows, you get one, you hang on to it, you treasure it, but you don't be afraid to fish with it, okay? That's what happened to mine. All right, okay. Lucy, this is amazing. Oh, number nine, every kid needs an inline spinner. Got to have an inline spinner. I don't care if it's a panther, Martin. I don't care if it's a rooster tail. But you know what I like the best? You know what I like the best is MEP spinners because they'll pay you 10 cents a piece for squirrel tails. So all you got to do is send them your squirrel tails and you send them 100 squirrel tails and you can buy three or four MEP spinners. It's awesome. It's awesome. Okay, now, I don't know what a TRD is. It, it just seems to be com- coming through my, my memory. Um... But uh, what we called a drop shot with a TRD on it was a catfish rig with a busted worm. So I'd get in my tackle box and I'd have a bunch of cream worms and a bunch of old DeLong worms and some other stuff that broke in half. And they were usually that weird red, weird flesh stone color, right? And then you put one of your catfish rigs, like you're rigging so it won't go down to the bottom. Like when you're fishing for bullheads and you put a sinker on there and then you put a hook a ways up on your line. Well, you can do that and fish for bass and use up all your busted up plastics. And it's great. But I guess, huh? Huh? And the future, it will be called drop shotting. Well, whatever the heck that was. Anyway, so in the future, people are going to be doing it too. Okay? All right. All right. Now, look. Here here comes the next one. Here comes the next one. Okay? Tiny torpedo. You got to have a tiny torpedo. You have to have a tiny torpedo because they make a lot of disturbance. And and watching the surface blow up, oh, it's the best thing ever. It's the best thing ever. Topwater blowups are still the best thing ever. All right. Now, a straight jig. And you got to have straight jigs in your kit. You have to. And if you ain't got no money, then you just get a pair of you know, nose pliers and some light wire crappie hooks. And you bend it at 90 degrees. And then you take your pliers and you crimp a split shot on there. And whammo, you have yourself a jig head. And then you just take it and you take whatever you can find. You can even cut hair off the dog. Your dog ain't going to care. They like it. They want to do anything to make you happy. And you're trying to make them famous. Anyway, get some feathers, get some hair, get something tied on with thread. If all you got your mama's sewing thread, do it. Straight jig. Throw it out, reel it, put it under a bobber, up and down, all around, whatever. And a jig is just about anything that goes up and down on the water. So, you know, you can even make a jig out of your sister's earring. I mean, you know, you take one of them earrings with a little crystally thing on it, and it's already got a line tie on one end. And if it has a wire or some ornament sticking out the other end, that's awesome, too. You just use a little piece of wire to put a hook on it. And then when they're all around around the house going, hey, what happened to my earring? You didn't take my earring, did you, Johnny? And it's like, why would I take your earring? I don't want your earring. Why would I take your earring? That whole thing with mom's pantyhose, I was making a slingshot, okay? I was making a slingshot. I don't have your earring. 
course, you know, I did have her earring. It was in my tackle box. But uh, anyway, there's all kinds of ways to make jigs. Okay, so jigs, that was number five. Okay, now, hollow frog. I don't know what a hollow frog is. It's just in my mind right now. But if you have a frog, I love my frog. I have a frog. I have a crawdad. I have a plastic minnow. I got all kinds of cool stuff. But the frog is my favorite. And if something tells me someday they're going to make them better and better and better and hollow. And all, all this over-fertilization and all of our ponds are going to have a whole lot of algae and other weeds in them. So you're going to have to learn to love to fish a frog. It appears that the crappy hippie consumed a lot of caffeine as a child. Okay, now, everybody wants one of these. Everybody has to have one of these. you got to have a Rapala or... In the future, there will be hit sticks from Berkeley. Okay, so if you live to be in the future, you can have that. But right now, get yourself a Rapala, either a floating Rapala, a countdown Rapala, whatever, I don't care. Two, three inch, right in there. Rapala, got to have it. Number three, one of the best lures ever. One of the best lures ever. All righty, now, you got to have a jig with the spinners underneath okay and 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 the only one i mean the one i love is roadrunner right right and i sit here and i fish with a roadrunner and i dream about roadrunners and i get ideas from roadrunners and i have this vision someday i'm going to make something kind of like a roadrunner and it's going to be really cool and it's going to be really popular and i think i'll call it crappie dealer and i think you're going to like it and i think you're going to want to buy it because especially in the fall it's the best bait ever but right now just get an underspin and the only one around in 1972 is roadrunner all right all right all right and now here here it is Here's here's the number one lure. Here's the number one lure, okay? The number one lure, okay? All right? Okay? It's the number one. It's a beetle spin. It's a beetle spin. Who doesn't? I mean, you could catch. You can you can use that spinner with a marabou jig. You can use it with a beetle jig. You can do it with a quarter ounce. You can do it with a thirty second ounce. You can do it with whatever. It's the it's the best jig made. It's the best jig made. And and this guy, this this old guy from from this town near me, uh, called Kansas City, and and his name was Virgil Ward. And him and his buddy Chuck Wood, they're the ones who thought this up. They thought it up. And Chuck Wood's from Kansas. That's where I'm from. Okay. All right. Number one beetle spin. Okay. All right. Okay, I gotta, I gotta go have some cocoa. Okay, all right, I'll, I'll, uh, uh, this is, this is, this is, uh, Johnny, uh, uh, Crappy Hippie's 10 year old self saying, hey, this has been cosmic, uh, over and out. Tim, the helmet is smoking. That can't be good. There is an 89% chance his brain will be permanently altered if we don't get the helmet off his head in the next 20 seconds. And there is only a 3% chance that we will prefer the 10 year old Crappy Hippie to the middle aged one. I don't know. Any chance for improvement is worth taking in my book. Oh, no. Do you smell hair burning? Powering down. Grab the helmet, Tim. Oh, wow, man. Hey, oh, sorry. I must have dozed off. Huh. I dreamed I was a kid again. Why is my scalp so crispy? John, so you're looking a little bit annoyed today. Well, I kind of am. I mean, we're looking over different articles and different blog posts and stuff on the best lures to get a beginning kid fisher or even a more established kid fisher, best lures for kids. And I came across an article by this fellow, John Paxton, uh, on the Fishing Father blog, uh, July 2019. And uh, both on uh, your list and mine, we had hollow frogs, and or at least I did. And I know we both had uh, minnows or rapalas, uh, rapalas and uh he doesn't like either of those baits for kids. And, um, I don't know. I, I just read through his article. He was talking about how 
Oh, if you're going to give them a frog, you got to teach them to use a bait caster. I don't know. I just thought his perspective was a little skewed. And I think a lot of it depends on where you fish too. If you're in a place where there's a lot of farm ponds and those bass are going to be busting anything on the surface, probably fish having a kid fish with a hollow frog, isn't a, a, a big deal. You know, it could work pretty well to me. You need a couple things when you're just considering these lures. A lure needs to be heavy enough, have enough weight so the kid can cast it. You don't want to have something that where the reel is just backlashing and you're ending up with these big bird nest tangles all the time. I can remember as a kid taking weeds off a hook was a big pain. And so looking at lures that are a little bit more weedless, you certainly don't want to use one of those antique lures that has 62 big treble hooks on it and gets... (laughs) Weeds, no matter whether you're in a totally clear pond, it's like a weed magnet, you know, and also you don't want those hooks because they might catch the kid, you know, kids have small hands or they're just learning to cast. You don't want to have a lure that will hook them. You also want lures that can catch small fish and larger fish, crappy jigs, for instance, you can catch some monster bass on those as well as small fish. And my thought there is kids want to catch fish. I want to catch fish. You want to give them something that they're going to be able to catch a lot of fish to keep their interests, you know, so that they want to stay out for another half an hour, another hour. Absolutely. Now, everything you've said there is, is spot on to me. You got to come at it from, you know, an empathy from the kid's angle first. And I've kind of put formulated what I consider uh, my four pillars of how to evaluate the situation when it comes to what am I going to pick out for this young angler? Uh, first of all, you got to look at the age of an angler. The needs of a three-year-old, a six-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 14-year-old could be completely different. On the other hand, a 14-year-old that's never fished before uh, might have a lot different need set than a six-year-old that's been fishing since they were three, that, i.e. half their life. Um, and then you look at innate ability in a kid. Are they naturally coordinated? Are they naturally inquisitive? Uh, you know, where are they coming from and how good are they at, you know, already at what they want to do. And the last pillar, number four, look at your abilities as an angler. If you're a sophisticated advanced angler, be careful not to overwhelm kids and push them too hard into techniques that are too advanced. Uh, on the other hand, if you're a non-angler and you need help, Uh, There's all kinds of places you can get it online. You can always contact us directly. We'd be glad to hear from you. We'd be glad to help you out. Worry less about the fish and more about the techniques and learning to cast and things to get out there. You know, John, I would add to that. I can remember as a kid using those yellow casting plugs, you know, no hooks and going out in the yard and casting and casting and just the sheer joy of casting is something we forget as we get older. And so having something the kids can, they might not even be fishing. They may just be having fun casting out and, uh, and reeling that back in. So when I think about the, the two things that, you know, what you just shared and what I shared before, here are some lures that I think are particularly good that I used as a kid and I think are great for kids. The first is a beetle spin. You know, it's a small spinner bait. You can catch monster bass on it. You can catch perch. You can catch crappy. You can catch bluegill, everything on it. Well, Johnny loves a beetle spin and crappie hippie still does, buddy. It's my number one for sure. <laughs> for a kid, you can't go, you know, any better than a beetle spin. It, it's semi-weedless. It's a straight retrieve. You you get you keep that line tight so your spinning reel is not always looping up and causing you screams. Yeah, I'm right on the beetle spin, brother. And then I wouldn't go the floating frog route as much as I would go a short floating jerk bait, you know, two or three inches. And I would take the back hook off. So there's one treble hook in the middle. I do that with a lot of my jerk baits. 
I do not find that I miss hookups with that. Fish usually are hitting that right in the middle, but now you have something that's floating. So it has that top water action, but if the kid reels it in, it's diving down. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. Well, I agree there. And, and, uh, the article I mentioned was down on hard baits, you know, kids should never be given hard baits. Well, you know, you need to supervise children, but they are completely capable of using hard baits. If they can handle a BB gun, you know, if they can handle a slingshot, if they can handle a pair of tennis shoes and run fast without falling down, then they're able to handle a hard bait. You just got to kind of watch out for them now. So John, are you suggesting that the kids take their slingshot and be put a big old crankbait in there with treble hooks and then shoot that out because that sounds like a deadly weapon. <laughs> that is a deadly weapon. I wouldn't suggest it in a minute, but you know, if we were taught how to be responsible and how to pay attention and how not to hurt other things in ourselves. And I think we can translate that to a, a Rapala or a big O or, you know, a, a hot and pot or whatever we got in the hard baits. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Then I think some kind of spinner, you know, a rooster tail, a, a Meps, a Panther Martin, those are fairly easy to cast. Again, you can catch all kinds of fish. You can fish that in a river. You can fish that in a pond. You're going to catch bass. You're going to catch trout with it. That was one of my favorites as a kid. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We're, you know, I'm a wire bait man. And I'll tell you, wire baits, uh, spinners like that will, once again, help keep the line tight. They are actually a better bet in the current. Uh, when you're trout fishing, uh, then an overhead spinner, they're not quite as, as weed friendly as, as the beetle spin. But on the other hand, they are one of the best search baits out there because everything will hit one. And I love your advice about have a lure that big and small fish will hit. Well, an inline spinner is that lure. And then the final one I would suggest is when kids move to a jig, I love going the, the crappy duel or the road runner, something that has a blade on it too. And here's why. If you use a plain jig head, it may be a little bit more difficult for the kid to feel that on the end of the line, but you put a blade on there and now it's a little bit more versatile because what the number one issue that kids have is, is there a fish there? Did I just get a hit or not? And I think with that spinner, it gives you a little bit of an edge to feel when the fish hits. Look, I don't need to add anything to that. That was perfectly said. Underspins rock. Kids love them. Uh, fish love them too. Put the two together and you'll have fishing success right there. I have been trolling Facebook and some members of the Lure Love Legion have suggestions for the best lures for kids. Great, Lucy. Share them with us. Hannah Stonehouse Hudson says to use lures with the fewest hooks and that are heavy enough to feel at the end of the line. She also suggests using lures that glow because they are awesome and keep kids entertained. Okay. I love that one. I love that one. I love the thing about the glowing lure. There is nothing that's going to get a kid's attention faster than a glowing lure. Now don't roll your eyes. It's not, and I'm not talking to you, Tim. I'm talking to people in the audience. This is a gimmicky lure maybe, but it's fun, fun in the fundamentals. That's what is key to coaching. And that is what is key to teaching. That is what is the key to working with kids and a glow in the dark lure is too fun. It is brilliant, John. You, you think about the 4th of July, you're out at night and they have those glow stick bracelets. Kids go crazy for them. I go crazy for them. It may be gimmicky, but isn't that what we're into anyway? I mean, we want to catch fish, but when you see a new lure you've never seen before, the gimmickiness of it and that hope, hey, maybe this is going to catch a few more fish before, but I, I think Hannah's really onto something here with lures that glow and especially if they're like the ones that I just got in a, a vintage tackle box where it's like a big eyeball, 
and it actually has an LED in it. When it hits the water, the whole thing lights up. I can't wait to use those. Whether it catches fish or not, I just want to see, well, how far can I see it in the water? And could I fish this thing at night? And how will it fish through the ice? I'm looking forward to it. Vinny Maturo says that he's found that when teaching his kids to fish, floating rapala work well because they get fewer snags. All right, Vinny. Vinny chiming in. That's Vinny Maturo. He is Clay Grove's buddy. He's a guide up in New Hampshire, and uh, he's a swell, swell guy, family man. Uh, what Vinny speaks, you better listen because he knows fishing um, front, back, and, and sideways. Great advice there on the rapala. I love them. We already talked about how much we love them. Julius Ipic says he puts on a one-eighth of an ounce jig head with a black and chartreuse crappy magnet and lets the kid cast and reel in as much as they want. He adds that this method wears out the crappy, bluegill, and even catfish. In a similar vein, Brett Hobbick suggests using a trout magnet and a float. Now this one, I love this. Fishing a small jig, especially, you know, maybe an eighth ounce, maybe a 64th ounce under a float is brilliant because the float gives it enough weight to cast. You don't have to have six feet of line under that float. You can have just enough so it's easy for the kid to cast it out. You can catch all types of fish. What this reminded me of is with my kids, we used to buy the one inch gulp minnows and we would put those on a, like a 64th ounce jig head. So now you got the scent of this gulp minnow and it's a great way to catch fish. I still do that sometimes. Sometimes it's windy out and you can't get that 64th of an ounce jig out there and you put a float on it and you cast it out. So I think this is a, a brilliant idea for kids. It's kind of a, that cross between bait fishing and lure fishing and your kids can watch the float so they can see when a fish takes it, which helps them to set the hook. Like I say, it's important not to have too much line, you know, swinging off of there. Um, if they are deeper than that, then uh, next time you come out, you'll have learned to use a slip bobber and, and you'll be able to get around that problem. But uh, yeah, you got to keep it fairly short. But one thing about it too, is it teaches kids how to do a lob cast because you can't snap cast this stuff like you can with a straight up jig and folks, you really got to kind of help the, the, the young angler, um, you know, cast it, but yeah, they can reel it. They can diddle it. They can do what they want with it. And I'm with you. I'll add a, 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 a chunk of live worm or, or, or a gulp bait or some other brand of nib or bait. Cause I like the fish to hang onto that jig just a little longer to give that, that angler just a little more time because my golly, sometimes if you're fishing a straight jig under a bobber, they can be a little mean to you and come up under it and do all kinds of silly things that are hard to detect. So putting on a little, uh, inducer, uh, can actually up your, um, strikes and, and bring in, yeah, more species. So no, I, a jig and bobber is, it takes me back. It takes me way on back. <laughs> Okay, thanks to all the members of Lure Love Legion for sharing your ideas. We sure appreciate y'all uh, posting and, and talking with us and so on. We just received a voicemail message from Amazing James and his two boys, Petty and Charlie. They have some ideas about the best lures. All right, boys. What are your favorite fishing lures? Teddy, what's yours? My favorite fishing lure is a beadhead nymph because I caught tons of sunfish and tons of other fish with it. Nice. You got a nice uh, bass last time you used that, right? It was very big. On the Tinkara rod? That was awesome. It's Charlie, what's your favorite lure? My favorite lure is a worm because I can catch almost anything. Mm -hmm. And I caught a giant catfish. Yep. That was the last fish you caught. 
Hey, Tim, Crappy Hippie, nice work on the podcast. Amazing James out. Wow, this is just incredible. A kid using a Tenkara rod, fishing a beadhead nymph. I love this. And his brother, who's uh, who's into fishing um, with worms, I just love the excitement in their voice. They're already finding what are their favorite lures? What do they like? And testing these things out. And isn't that what it's all about, John, is testing new things. I love getting a new lure and saying, well, how does it swim? What does it look like? What's the action? How do fish hit it? Should I be fishing it faster or slower? That just pumps me up. Oh, it pumps me up, pumps me up, pumps me up. And in fact, you know, now I'm in there and testing, you know, which size blade to use. What'll, you know, make sure I don't overpower this. So it runs straight. Make sure I do this testing, testing, testing. I mean, lure design, new lures, all of it, creating new lures, buying new lures. Uh, th- these guys, you know, uh, we, we know their dad, James, awesome dude. Uh, it's just so fantastic uh, to hear the, like you say, that enthusiasm. And uh, I know they're in a situation where they will experience the joy of fishing over and over and over again, their entire lives long. So thanks for sharing guys. You know what? I'm going to send y'all a nice selection of hand tied jigs from Glasswater angling. And uh, now you can have a lure from me to be your favorite from me and Tim and the lure love podcast. And maybe they'll make your list of favorite lures. Lucy, what did you mean when you said that one must simply match inducement to the relative intelligence of the quarry? I meant that you and John are not the sharpest hooks in the tackle box. To be honest, you're both kind of like an old rusty hook that had its tip broken off on a rock. You may have a point there. Get it? A point? You know I don't understand your attempts at humor, Tim. But Tim, would you like to try on this cool metal hat? It plays music and has flashing lights on it. I'd really like you to try it on. Oh, no. I can still smell the stench from crappy hippie's head. But I will tell you a story about the first fish I caught as a kid. That doesn't sound as fun as making your head smoke, but okay, tell me a story. There's the old saying, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish and he'll become an instant, insufferable fishing know-it-all and treat you like an idiot. Just visit any Facebook fishing group to see what I mean. Ask what the best lure is to catch such and such a fish, or what rod and reel combo you should buy for fishing for a certain species. You could post the question, what lure is best to catch giant trevally in Australia, and you'll get some guy from Arkansas who's never left his hometown and only fishes for catfish insist You have to use raw chicken soaked in cherry Kool-Aid and garlic to catch GTs. And he'll say it with such confidence that it makes you doubt yourself even if you've caught a thousand giant trevally. For that matter, you could even make up a fish species and you'll get an overconfident answer. For instance, I'm traveling to Absurdistan on business and we'll have a few days to fish. I've heard that the giant orange fin striped moose mackerel is native to the streams there. Can anyone tell me what might be the best bait to catch them? One minute later, ding, a response. I've caught hundreds of giant orange fin striped moose mackerel, and the only bait that works for them is a lure imitating the endangered black-footed ferret. But sometimes they'll go after raw chicken soaked in cherry Kool-Aid and garlic. While I can't explain this phenomenon, I have personally experienced it. And by experienced it, I mean that I was the insufferable know-it-all. 
When I was seven years old, I tagged along with my older brother when he went fishing at the pond near our house. I didn't have a rod or reel and would watch him fish, which for some unknown reason irritated him. Maybe I did ask a lot of questions, and perhaps I did nag him about giving me a turn using his fishing rod, but in no way was I irritating. But boy, years later when my younger brother tagged along with me, he was really irritating. It was too bad he wasn't as delightful a brother as me. Anyway, I'm sure I was being particularly delightful that day, so in exasperation my older brother gave me a five-foot piece of fishing line and a hook and told me I could fish with that. I looked down quickly at the line and hook in my hands, and when I looked up a second later, he had already escaped to the other side of the pond. I picked up the closest stick I could find, tied my line to the end of it and to the hook, and began fishing. I didn't have any bait, not even cherry garlic chicken, which was good because there weren't any giant trevally in the pond, so I decided to fish with a bare hook. I was new to fishing and thought bait might be an unnecessary ingredient, kind of like wearing a tie to church. Mom said it looked nice, but the tie didn't have a purpose as far as I was concerned. I suspected bait was the same way. After two minutes with no bites, which I found to be an extraordinary amount of time to wait for anything, I decided to trick my older brother by pretending to hook a fish. My acting abilities were impressive for a seven-year-old. If there had been an Academy Award for flopping to the ground in feigned pain when your older brother accidentally brushed up against you, I would have won it. I could grimace, moan, and hold my head as if I had been given a coconut headbutt by Bobo Brazil, who I watched on professional wrestling every Saturday. I learned so much by watching professional wrestling, I couldn't understand why my school wasn't requiring students to watch it. I started shouting that I had a big fish on my line, and my brother looked at me in disbelief from across the pond. And as I used my best dramatic training to pretend there was a weight on the end of the line, I realized in my commotion that a bluegill had actually bit the bear hook, and I did have a fish on the end of my line. What happened next was like a mystical experience. At the exact moment I hooked the fish, it was as if I was on the Wonder Twins superhero TV show and had just touched the fish with the words, Fishing Powers Activate! And the fish took the shape of a fish, which wasn't really very impressive, and I took the form of a fishing master, a guru a sensei, a walking encyclopedia of fishing knowledge. Unfortunately, I was also a talking encyclopedia of fishing knowledge. Wow, my buddy said to me, you actually caught a fish. Of course, I said nonchalantly. I knew I would. Let me try, he said, grabbing for my fishing rod. Wait, 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 I said. You can't just grab a stick and start to fish. There's a lot that goes into the process of fishing. It's both an art and a science, I instructed. But you just, he began to say, but I put my hand up stopping him. There's only one way to catch a bluegill in this pond, I said, with a confident authority that rivaled the guy from Arkansas commenting on Giant Trevally. First, you have to select the correct stick, I continued. But you just picked up the closest stick you could find, he said. It may have looked that way to you, I said but only because my keen eye knew what to look for. The stick must be three to three and a half feet long, with no more than a ten-degree bend to it. 
an eastern white pine branch is okay in a pinch, but I prefer a blue spruce branch. Much better for feeling the fish bite. What do you mean you prefer, my buddy said, getting a little irate. How can you prefer anything when you've only caught one fish ever? He smiled as if he had caught me. But if I knew anything from the 94 seconds I had been a fishing master, it was that others would be jealous of my gift. Yes, my buddy would be jealous, and fish would fear me. Eventually, he sighed heavily and said, Okay, okay. If I find the right stick, can I use your line and hook? I cleared my throat. First of all, us master fishermen call it a rod, not a stick. Second of all, of course you can't use my line and hook. One of the most important parts of stocking bluegill is irritating your older brother enough that he gives you a line and hook. The brother has to be older, but not too much older, no more than three years, and he has to give them to you in disgust to shut you up. Fish can sense when the brother is too old, or the hook and line were not given in disgust. But I don't have an older brother, my buddy said in disbelief. I'm sorry to hear that, I replied. There's no way for you to catch fish then. But don't get mad at me. I don't make up these rules. It's just the way of the pond. A week later, my buddy showed up at the pond with a new fishing rod and reel his dad had bought him, and he caught 30 bluegill. I had caught only two using my blue spruce special. Who's the master fisherman now, he said to me. He said it with every fish he reeled in. Well, that's evolution for you, I replied smugly. Last week, you wouldn't have caught a single bluegill with that rig, but obviously the bluegill have evolved since I smoked them with my master skills and gear. They were probably afraid they'd become extinct if I continued catching them the way I did last week. For some reason, my master fishing superpowers faded as I got older. I'd read about that sort of thing happening in comic books. But I don't really mind that I no longer know everything about fishing. It hasn't detracted from the enjoyment I get from being on the water. Besides, I have a lot more to do now than when I was seven years old. For instance, I'm really getting into grilling. And as I was telling this guy on Facebook, you're not really grilling unless you're using a Weber 500 three-burner propane gas grill. In fact, I think I'll go throw on some chicken. I have a fantastic garlic and cherry Kool-Aid marinade. John, it's one thing to have a favorite lure as a kid and to pick good lures, but we forgot one thing that's really important to teach kids, and that's you have to have your own personal signature catchphrase when you hook a fish, kind of like when you watch River Monsters and Jeremy Wade yells, fish on, fish on. This should be personal and it should be expressive of your personality, the type of fish, the type of kid you are. Because when you yell that, everybody else on that pond, lake, or river is going to know who hooked that fish. Absolutely. I mean, everybody has got it. I got, I could, I'm just grinning ear to ear. I'm thinking of my buddies and me and everybody else. I got a guy who goes, yep. Yep. Every time, you know, and so we know Blair's had a hookup because, you know, we hear that coming from the front of the boat too much. We're going to have to look over there. I have a new signature catchphrase that just came to me. It was like an epiphany. When I was out on Sebago Lake, we were trolling for lake trout with Clay Groves and Charlie McGee, both of them guides. And we're fishing 80 feet down. So you don't really feel the fish moving a lot. 
until it gets closer to the surface and it sees the surface. And Charlie's saying in one ear to me, hey, Tim, you're going to really feel them shake their head as soon as they see the light. And Clay on my other ear is saying to me, Tim, we're going to keep this fish because I'm going to take it home and cook it. So I'm thinking, shaking the head and cooking the fish. And the epiphany was a line from the movie Talladega Nights. I got a message for all of them. Right? Shake and bake. What does that do? Does that blow your mind? I start yelling, shake and bake, baby, shake and bake. So that is my new signature catchphrase. If you hear somebody on the stream yelling, shake and bake, it's because Tim Tacklebox beat is into a big fish, and I am right up the stream from you. Awesome. Makes no sense, so it's shake and bake. It's nonsense. Shake and bake, baby. Shake and bake. Oh man, I love it. I love it. I can't even. I can't even sit here and come up with a topper. Mine are all just pretty much standard stuff. Yeah, we got the shake and bake. All right, the shake and bake. I love it, brother. Well, that's it for another episode of Lure Love Podcast. If you're a kid and want to share your favorite lure with the rest of the Lure Love Legion, go to our website at lurelovepodcast.com. Click the microphone button in the right corner of the page and share your lure with us. We'll pick one entry to win some great fishing lures from Glasswater Angling. So all you got to do, hit the icon. My name is Clarice. I'm from Illinois. My favorite lure is Jitterbug because my granddaddy gave me one. And that's it. You're in the contest. Thanks, y'all. You've been on my mind Never enough lures to tie To the end of my line Lure love Can't I make you see Why buy five lures and you can buy